Welcome to the Weekly Squeak, your weekly geeky squeak with me, your host, as always, Chris Chinchilla. This week I have one interview, the first of many of uh, post-CES interviews. This is with Tactifon, an Italian hardware company who are making quite an intriguing um, sort of, well, uh, a controller <laughs> that can be used for a variety of different use cases, as you will hear in the interview. But first, let's get Stuck in with my links for the week. I have quite a little interesting collection this week. The first is from The Guardian, from Charlotte Higgins. This is called A Scandal in Oxford, The Curious Case of the Stolen Gospel. Anything that involves religious history and Oxford and theft is always interesting. It sounds like an episode of Morse. In fact, that is mentioned in the article, unsurprisingly. This is a story that is still not completely proven, so maybe I should add allegedly to everything I say, although I am quoting from The Guardian, so I'm guessing it's not me who's going to get into any problems, of uh, a sort of circle of academics in a very particular niche space who have been maybe selling very valuable artifacts to religious societies, mostly funded by, and America has a lot of these kind of religious societies funded by big companies, and there is uh, one in particular that is mentioned here, who I think run a hardware store chain, um, who have been buying artifacts, uh, missing sections of the Bible, missing Gospels, etc., etc., when maybe they weren't for sale. Uh, and it always seems strange that you, you just think of of academics as being like dusty people in a in a dark room and not really doing this sort of thing. But I guess the temptation is always there. If you have things that are very valuable and someone is willing to pay for them, then there is always going to be the temptation. And this is covering the story of a very high-profile academic in his field who has maybe, allegedly, possibly, probably been doing just this and uncovering the trail that leads to that evidence. Yes, it's like a TV show episode. Quite fascinating. Have a read if this tickles any of your fancies. Next, an article uh, switching to board gaming on Quillette from Jonathan Kay. The article is entitled... Goa Gods, Gandhi, and Greed, Lessons lessons in Colonialism from Four Board Games. This is a report back from Gen Con recently, but uh, it's not really about Gen Con. It's about board games that abstract away concepts that uh, maybe we should be a little bit more attached to, shall we say. Um, I have played... Actually, the, I don't think the game is mentioned in this article, but I have played one that's somewhat similar, um, Endeavour. And there is a concept of slavery endeavor, and you have cubes that represent slavery. But the interesting thing with endeavor is you are generally encouraged not to support slavery. And if you use slavery too much, then it's actually a negative in the game. So that's a slightly different uh, treatment of the idea. But in this post, and interestingly, I tried to get some discussion around this and didn't really get anything um, that wasn't from white dudes talking about it. It would have been interesting to get some opinions from the people that these sorts of games maybe are more directly uh, affecting or, uh, or uh, using the history and and sometimes bloody history of. Um, and the post details a couple of games that deal with the issues in different ways, um, from a fairly abstract economical way, maybe to ways that um, are not abstract enough, uh, considering that the, the history behind the levels of abstraction and some that kind of turn the idea on its head and treat it in a way that you wouldn't expect. So, interesting post. I Actually, this would be something I would like to hear from people. So you can find out how to get in touch with me and the show on christianchiller.com slash contact. 
uh, my Facebook page or on Twitter or something like that would be a great place to get discussion going. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, but uh, yeah, have a read of the article and then, then let me know. Another gaming related article, Dungeons and Dragons pops its head up several times. Um, in my in my uh, reading these days now, this is on Polygon again. I think I quoted from this blog quite a few times from Charlie Hall. This is covering how Dungeons and Dragons, or more specifically Wizards of the Coast, sort of now has kind of DLC for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I don't necessarily know if this is new as an idea. People have had fan created contributions to Dungeons and Dragons for some time, but maybe the way it's been formalized is is new, and now we have a term for it from the video game industry. That seems familiar. So Dungeons & Dragons has kind of different editions. You have the SRD, the, the System Reference Document, um, where it lists kind of what is public domain and then everything else is issued under its own different licenses. And if you look back in time, this uh, was also handled in a, in a slightly similar way with the um, D20 versions of the game. And that's where Pathfinder came from. And I'm not entirely sure where that stands right now, but... Uh, this has happened before, kind of open licensing of core rules and mechanics. And then you have things like One Bookshelf and the Dungeon Masters Guild, where players can add their own content and charge what they like for it. And as long as they don't step into the kind of copyright-protected areas of content too much, that's generally fine with everybody involved. In fact, if you think of the SaaS world, this is a fairly standard play. You leave gaps in your core product so people fill those gaps they make money, and then you also shave a percentage of profits off of them making money. So it's it's not an unusual idea to try. And um, this is certainly something I want to try myself in the next few months of uh, contributing some content to places like this. I'd be interested to know what other games have similar ideas to. More formal, like every game, of course, you can write your own content, but this kind of more formal place of selling content. And some of it does get picked up in Dragon Magazine, at cons, by Wizards of the Coast themselves, etc, etc. So it's an interesting pathway into becoming a roleplay writer anyway. I haven't done any tech articles yet, so now it's time for two before the interview. This first one is from Tech Beacon, from Joe Colantonio. This is an article rounding up 10 open source API testing tools. Um, Postman has become very popular. I, I sometimes am slightly worried by Postman because uh, it's a proprietary company, it's a proprietary software, but people have become so reliant on it. I use something called Paw, which I like because it's Mac native, but it's still proprietary, it's still closed source, so it's not necessarily any better than using Postman. And this article goes through a few alternatives to that that are not proprietary and are not commercial that you might want to look into. Although, strangely, Postman is mentioned on the article, but anyway. Uh, but there's 10 others you could think of, including the intriguingly titled Postwoman, uh, and some frameworks for languages specifically that you might have encountered before, and many others. So if you're into API testing, have a read, have a try. Let me know what worked for you. com slash contact. And finally, a post from the MRSIS blog from Daniel. Now I'm going to murder this surname. Here we go. Sipsjack, I think, something like that. Anyway, I can read the title of the article. It is How to Become a Modern Magician. Productivity tips for devs on macOS. This covers some tooling I hadn't heard of, actually, on macOS. Tools like Hyperkey and Hammerspoon, um, two tools you can use to automate all sorts of key bindings and processes on your Mac. I guess beyond Automator, I haven't dug into this in any great detail yet, or I suppose more aimed at developers. Somewhere between Automator and Bash Scripts, I guess. 
Uh, and actually, the Mac has always been very good at automating aspects of it. And even now with iOS, with the shortcuts app and workflows before that, um, Apple's operating systems have generally been very good at automating at all sorts of levels, from the user-friendly visual way right down to command line tools and things like that. I'd like to try some of these. Um, there's a few here that seem very appealing, especially the ability to kind of tie it to a particular key combination um, and trigger a whole bunch of things. It was quite fascinating. I will try this myself and maybe have a, a report back on that in the near future. But if any of this appeals to you in the meantime, Go and have a look and have a try and let me know how you got on. And now my interview with Tactifom talking about their gesture recognition, Bluetooth connected controller thing. Um, enjoy. My name is Nadia and I'm the business developer of the Tactigon. And uh, um, I briefly uh, summarize uh, the story of our company because uh, we were born in 2014, but the Tactigon is a newborn brand. Uh, we started working to this project two years ago. And uh, uh, in the beginning, we uh, started with our first product, which is a Tactigon One. And uh, it is a motion sensor. Uh, with the uh, IMU unit on board uh, that you can program and uh, you can use for uh, different applications according to uh, your uh, software and according to the commands you uh, establish. Uh, Tatigon 1 was the basis to uh, develop uh, a new product with the aim of uh, uh, solving the uh, problem of a often difficult relationship man-machine. Uh, in fact, um, the controller uh, has Tatigon 1 as a heart system. So uh, the, uh, the first product has been boxed uh, to um, find out a, a new form factor for a gesture controller, to become a gesture controller, meaning that uh, it's not something that you have to hold in your hands, uh, but it's something that grips on your hand and leaves uh, hand and finger free to move in a very natural way. Yeah, let's actually talk about the design. The images on the website are pretty clear. Uh, it's yeah. kind of, it, I mean, it looks very familiar. I'm trying to think of things that it compares to, but it's like a, it's like a handle maybe that yeah. you might have on a on a on a pot or a, a cup. Yeah, and it sits in the groove between your thumb and kind of the back of the hand. So yeah, you have all your fingers free. Uh, as far as I could see, there are some buttons as well on the inside. Um, but then, uh, yeah, you have your whole hand free and um, it connects by Bluetooth. So you don't have any cables yeah. either. Um, yeah. But what are, the, what are the kinds of motions that are possible? Yeah. Uh, we came back from CES, you know. And there we uh, presented our new software, Gear, uh, 
gesture analysis and recognition. Up to now, we can uh, recognize 16 gestures going from the very easy one, up, down, right, left, uh, two, square, two um, shapes like uh, square, circle, uh, and uh, we can also do a combination of uh, motion of right hand and left hand if you were, for instance, two tactical skins. And uh, uh, this uh, uh, is uh, the new version that has uh, uh, artificial intelligence <laughs> on board because uh, uh, thanks to this, to the neural network, we can uh, recognize a gesture uh, with uh, high accuracy Accuracy, even if it's done by different uh, people. Because, you know, a simple up gesture done by me can be slower than uh, if you do it, for instance. Or it can uh, have a specific angulation, um, a motion towards right, towards left, and so on. So um, the aim of using the artificial intelligence here is to do uh, training to the uh, gesture controller so that he can recognize and transmit uh, gesture with uh, accuracy, with high accuracy. Um, to explain you this, we uh, prepared a demo uh, we had in the exhibition uh, with a robotic arm. And uh, uh, the training was done on me. So before coming to the show, I uh, trained the robot through uh, some simple gestures. So through a square, a circle and a pitch up down um, to move in a certain position or to do certain action like picking up a box or throw it in a basket. And uh, so uh, when we, uh, we were to the show and unboxed the robot, we had uh, simply to connect it and to use because uh, this uh, procedure has uh, saved time and there was no need of reprogramming uh, the robot arm because we moved. So uh, if uh, we can see this in an uh, industrial uh, context, uh, this can uh, solve uh, the problem of time-consuming uh, procedure when we have to reprogram a robot. Or, uh, for instance, in laboratory researches, uh, if they have uh, the so-called cobots and they have to move it, uh, to move them from one place to another, uh, it will allow to, uh, to save time and no need of high technological skill to program. And, I mean, actually, you, you look down the, the, the specifications for the device. Uh, yeah. And let's just setting aside the, the artificial intelligence aspect at the moment, which is very interesting in itself. But you have um, Arduino compatibility, Bluetooth low energy, which yes. is also very common. You have the ability for people to load in their own uh, kind of um, their own uh, configurations um, with yeah. 
uh, whatever sort of programming language they want to use, uh, multiple device compatibility, Raspberry Pi compatibility. There's a lot here that would appeal to, um, and the flexibility appeals, I think, a lot to the kind of hacker community. But I'm guessing from the AI component that this is probably reasonably expensive and I'm guessing more aimed at industrial users uh, and business users, but maybe I'm guessing wrong. So uh, when we started our project, we had in mind a specific target that were makers. So those people who uh, love technology, love coding, and love do on their own. And we wanted to uh, give them the possibility to um, create their own applications with movement uh, in an easy way. In fact, you should know that uh, our um, past context, we are, we are skilled in motion detection and gesture recognition because uh, in the previous years, our first product line uh, was and is still today a, a line of product to collect data uh, in um, environmental and structural monitoring. So uh, lens lights or inclination or still rotation and so on. So um, uh, what we call the geotechnical monitoring. The fact was that this kind of monitoring was a very uh, niche market. So uh, we wanted to reach also the uh, B2C market. And in order to do this, we had to simplify all the things. So we put all our knowledge in the background of the product and um, left it with SDK Arduino so that uh, even young learners, from young learners to most skilled uh, software developer can uh, can use it and uh, you uh, you are right when you said that uh, uh, there are also industrial um, industrial sector uh, involved uh, because uh, as i told you before we started with makers target but as far as the project went onwards and we uh, passed last year all around the world in exhibitions and uh, conferences in order to talk and present Tattigon and Tattigon Skin to collect feedback from, from people. And we uh, met also uh, important companies with which we are now uh, we have now started a um, cooperation in order to uh, develop a vertical solution for, uh, for the market. So, for instance, to give you a couple of examples in robotics, uh, our partnership is with the Italian company Comau, which is part of uh, Friat Chrysler. Uh, group and uh, uh, we are now developing the control of their uh, cobot edo so an educative uh, uh, cobot and we have worked with uh, nokia and orange in in france uh, last year uh, on the occasion of the uh, 5g presentation 
because uh, um, because the uh, CEO of Orange uh, wanted to show the speed and uh, the real-time uh, feature of the 5G controlling a camera. Uh, the CEO was placed in uh, was in Paris. And this camera was placed in Marseille, so 700 kilometers far away. And through our Tatigon skin, so our gesture controller, he uh, wore it on, on his hand and controlled, showed the uh, real-time control through our device uh, and through the 5G. So uh, these are uh, some uh, of the most important uh, use cases we have now developed, but uh, we have uh, still uh, some open uh, cooperation uh, onwards, that are going onwards. And do you think there might be a uh, uh, a more simple model maybe for that initial maker uh, user group as well? Or that's probably a small market, so you'll probably leave it behind now? No, no, we, we do not want to, to leave um, this market behind. We are proceeding uh, in parallel, let's say. So uh, Tatigon 1 is uh, still uh, on sale uh, since two years uh, on, our, uh, on our website. Tatigon Skin, the gesture controller, is the newest uh, product and uh, we will go now it is on sale as a developer kit so meaning we uh, we work uh, with industrial partners uh, or uh, developers who want to develop a specific application so the developer kit has the device itself with all uh, SDK and libraries to, to develop and also our support, of course. And uh, we will come on the market with the gesture controller uh, in the next few months. So the, the one I'm seeing on the website, the, the, the grip-like device, that's the new one or the old one? The grip is it's the new, okay. so it's Tatigon skin. The first uh, of this family, the first product of this family is called Oh, I Tatigon see. That's the board. Smart. Yeah. Okay. All right. And yeah. The- yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And just uh, the the AI aspect. I mean, you're a European company. We love to talk privacy and security in Europe. The artificial intelligence aspect is that on device or is that in cloud? <sighs> Um, in cloud, so it's uh, um, our uh, uh, software, let's say, uh, the algorithm on the on the device uh, has specific features of artificial intelligence. Okay, okay. Um, so the the device connects to the internet itself, or or through a phone, or something like that, or through a device. No, the, the, the device connects Bluetooth with uh, uh, any device with Bluetooth. So uh, we can uh, go from robotic arms to PC, tablet or smartphone. Uh, it's true that we can expand uh, this product with uh, Wi-Fi, for instance, or GPS 
or uh, other kind, any other kind of, uh, of feature mm, we should find an application in order to do this. And so looking at the, the Tactigan 1 for a minute, um, yeah. what sorts of use cases did people end up coming up with? Uh, so we um, were, they were purchased, for instance, by university universities and uh, um, they uh, they tried to uh, they they started projects uh, related to um, motion detections for robotics so still again educational uh, but uh, as far as I know other uh, customers who purchased uh, this product as no no shared with us their project the most uh, the most sold um, application is in fitness because uh, we used this sensor to trace the strength and the speed during uh, the performance and uh, this enables for instance trainer to understand uh, how the training is proceeding and which aspects have to be uh, changed or improved through a, a software. And uh, so what's the, what was the feedback you've had at all the, the various events uh, the past few months? I mean, specifically CES, which is, despite some of the products that are displayed, is largely meant for consumers, but this is not necessarily a consumer device. So what was the kind of feedback you got? So uh, uh, the feedback in general is positive, especially for the particular form factor. And uh, what we actually uh, saw at CES is that uh, others are, uh, are uh, going on the same path as we are already now. No? So if uh, this means that uh, this is a bad thing, but also yeah. a good thing, <laughs> it, means, it means that uh, there is market. Okay, so there is a request from uh, from the market, and there is also space uh, on the market for a solution like this. Uh, people like, in general, the fact not to grip a device, so uh, the possibility to wear it and feel uh, free. And they like also uh, its flexibility in the sense that you can use one device uh, and change application because uh, uh, now we have uh, developed some sketches uh, in our headquarters um, and if you go uh, for instance on YouTube you can see uh, some videos uh, of the applications we created here in our headquarters and for a, a final user the aim is to uh, keep it simple so they can download these sketches uh, from our marketplace and install on Tartigon Skin and use the device as is. So we pre-scheduled uh, uh, commands, so preset. Uh, but uh, we can also... Uh, do the possibility of programming so two levels 
of usage. And changing the application means that you uh, install a new sketch on the device. So you can go from gaming uh, applications to uh, domestic or to, uh, I don't know, robotic control or 3D printer, uh, menu navigation, PowerPoint, uh, <laughs> presentation <laughs> management, and so on. I, I, power, I, I like the fact you've gone from industrial applications to PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is possible. So we, uh, yes, it seems uh, uh, ridiculous, but if you uh, develop a product with a 360 yeah. degree <laughs> so, uh, of, of ideas, so to give it uh, both in the business and in the everyday life. Yeah. So you, you also have a really interesting example of the a VR game here as well in the, which is yeah. which is quite interesting. Yeah. I mean, VR kits are expensive at the moment anyway, and this is this is nice yeah. because it, it it feels quite natural. Um, you can you can do whatever you want with your hands. I mean, in the in the image, the the guy is gripping like he's driving a car. It doesn't actually yeah. have to, of course. The, the controller doesn't need yeah. that. It's it's him him doing it because he wants to, which is interesting, you know. Yeah. So yes. it's it's up to you yeah. what you do with your hand. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's kind of interesting like that. Yes, exactly. Because, uh, for instance, you can establish to do like the guy in the picture, or you can establish that if you turn your right your uh, uh, hand right, then the car turns right. So it's up on the program and uh, how you choose to use your gesture. Yeah, which is nice. I like that. Yeah, the, the freedom thing is quite interesting. It's yeah. yeah. Just uh, one other question on the hardware. Bearing in mind the probably potential industrial use, what's the what's its resistance? Is it water resistant? Uh, what kind of heat resistance does it have? That sort of thing. The distance. The distance. No resistance. So waterproof, right. heat, etc. Uh, this is a bit technical question. Huh? <laughs> I have to check. Right. If you <laughs> want to check, I'd at least hope that the waterproof is probably uh, is probably. Yeah, water is not no uh, elect, uh, electronic boards and water. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <friends>. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so uh, I mean, this is obviously still in development right now. But um, what's the what's the main plan for the next six months or so? Yeah, so uh, actually the product is, uh, let's say, ready because it's its uh, final prototype. So what we are now going to do, uh, apart from finding uh, partners for uh, application development, we are going to uh, crowdfunding in the next uh, few weeks, in the next weeks, um, not for product development in this case, for final stage. So this is also the main different uh, difference we have with others, maybe on platforms like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, because uh, the product really exists and, uh, um, and it has been tried also. It has been used and there are use cases. What we now need is the final push to go on the market, so final engineering uh, of the product uh, and production. Uh, this is our um, our idea, and uh, of course we will proceed with our uh, 
marketing activities and search for uh, for partners, but also ventures. Who knows uh, uh, that want to uh, invest in our uh, in our development and our uh, going final going on the market uh, with uh, with tactical scheme. Do you have uh, much? Well, much knowledge, I suppose, probably more from research of industrial type devices being successful on Kickstarter. I am in my it's just my, my own main experience is usually just as, as a consumer, but I just wondered if you um, if you've seen many examples of that. Uh, well, in the specific, uh, I I'm. I cannot reply you in this moment. I know that uh, what we want to reach is not a, a very high, uh, I can say, goal. So if it comes, that's good. Okay. Uh, but uh, what we, we want to reach is uh, the basis to proceed further on with uh, final engineering and going and go on the market because uh, you know uh, we also need uh, feedback from usage in order to correct uh, the product and uh, proceed with optimization so it's important after uh, more than one year that uh, we can find out a result and out of all the uh, events you've done and people you've seen trying the device and things like that. Um, what's what's been the the most interesting and surprising use case you've seen people try with the the tactician? So if we we speak of uh, common people in everyday life, absolutely the gaming is uh, is uh, the most successful application. Um, also because it's very easy. So we uh, interfaced uh, our uh, Tatagon skin with the most uh, common games now. Uh, so Minecraft, Bravalla, uh, Real Flight uh, and uh, Asphalt 9. So in this particular case, Asphalt 9 was the demo we had uh, in, uh, in the exhibitions and it was very uh, easy for people to use it because uh, with a simple movement of your wrist, you uh, guided the car, so you controlled the car going right, uh, left, and with. Uh, and what I I haven't told uh, you is that uh, the device has also four keys on the back. Yeah, yeah the four keys corresponding to your finger. So this uh, gives uh, uh, commands, so you can add commands to gesture. So this and the second most requested application is the PowerPoint. So the, the, the slide management. Uh, yes. <laughs> and the third, the robotics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The robot sounds fun. The, the PowerPoint's a bit depressing, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, something that uh, the idea that uh, you you are free. Uh, and you can that you can impress your audience is uh, something that uh, moves the interest of people uh, towards this application in my opinion and uh, when roughly do you think the kickstarter will start so people can keep a, an eye open for it uh, so this is as if this is a good uh, 
because uh, we are now uh, in the final uh, preparation of all the background of this campaign. So we need to targetize uh, our audience and to find out uh, exactly where we have to stress. So this is uh, the final part. Once we are ready with this, we want to start, but actually we do not want to wait too much. Yeah, I saw there's a mailing list if people want to sign up for it. So uh, that, that yeah. that's the best place to get information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We uh, to to all those who subscribe, uh, we release uh, monthly updates of our activity. We release the novelties and what's new on the software, on new applications, and so on. So. Uh, everyone is informed. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Um, I have signed up to the mailing list. I could imagine this being really good fun for making music as well, actually. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, in, uh, you're right, because in, uh, in a couple of exhibitions, uh, it happened to me to, to speak to some players and uh, guitar players in particular, and they find it very interesting uh, because it is quite equal to the finger yeah. movement. A bass guitar on, has four strings, yeah. and there's all, there's been instruments like this in the past, the theremin uh, and some others. So the, the thought of using gesture for music is not alien to people. Um, no, so, no. Um, yeah, I, I, I've seen some really interesting demos of that kind of thing. It would be, yeah, it's kind of, it's this ability to to make music in new ways. You know, we have this sorts of gesture technology now. We can make different sorts of music that weren't possible before because of it uh, and get yeah. notes and, and melodies that we couldn't make before. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That was my interview with Taktifon. I hope you enjoyed that. So uh, I have a few articles and uh, podcast episodes coming up. Um, we have the next episode of the Write the Docs podcast recording this Sunday. So that should be out about the same time as the next episode of Weekly Squeak next week. I have a few articles coming up um, soon as well. My coverage of Kong featuring the interview I did uh, with Kong a few months back. Um, some post-CS coverage. Um, all sorts of things actually go and have a look at kristenchiller.com slash writing I am continuing to do more editing of board game manuals if that's something you'd like me to help you with then please do let me know and events I will be at Sustain Summit and FOSTEM at the end of January then after that I'll be heading to Manchester for a little bit not for any particular events just to check the place out so if you are in Manchester I would love to meet up to say hi and shortly after that, I am heading to Megacom in Jerusalem to give a documentation, testing and automation talk. So maybe see you at some of those. Until next time, if you have been, thank you very much for listening. Please share, rate, review wherever you heard the show. And I will talk to you again next week. Yeah.